We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders, brought to you by Jock Market. Stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out Jock Market, the app where daily fantasy becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money. Download now for a 100% deposit match up to $50 using the promo code GRINDERS. And get this, if you don't turn a profit this week, Jock Market is running back their first market guarantee to cover your losses this week. So download Jock Market in the app or play stores or check out jockmarket.com. That's J-O-C-K-M-K-T.com and use the code GRINDERS for a 100% deposit match up to 50 bucks on your first deposit. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender at Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. Joined by the man behind the numbers, the dials, the, 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 he's got the hamsters running in those wheels for, uh, for the, for the, the models over at Advanced Sports Analytics. It's Stuart Gibson for a, a, an 11 game slate that features more than half of the games with the 43 or under total, uh, it's kind of weird for, for this year. A lot of times we've had weeks where, wow, we got like a ton of games with high totals and then a couple with low ones. Now we have a lot of games with low totals and only a few, if not one, with the highest total. Uh, yet from a, from a projection standpoint, uh, it still seems very even because from the salary perspective of some of these games, that do you have it in your in your tools that that there are games that stand out far and beyond uh, everyone else on the slate, or is it a little bit more balanced than I would have thought for these totals? Yeah, so we got we got one game that or one side rather that's like really standing out in a big way, um, and then from there, fairly balanced. Um, yeah, I mean uh, the way it's shaking out, kind of in our numbers as of now, like if you are a fan of vomit stacks and just playing you know uh 
two to five percent owned type uh, players as part of your stack, not at least per our numbers, probably won't be a fun show for how I'm kind of thinking uh, about the slate. We have the top three teams uh, with regards to frequency within the top 1% uh, are three of the four kind of highest ownership uh, teams or stacks. Um, and yeah, I mean, sometimes I think that that could be, you know, a fine way to play it. I mean, you look at last week, like with Tampa Bay, where uh, they were kind of emerging as one of the two uh, premier stacks and, um, you know, Los Angeles being the other. And, you know, you, you kind of did well for yourself by just over-indexing or being willing to, yeah, go overweight what is already going to be a pretty popular stack. As of the way the numbers are shaking out right now, our kind of recommendation would be to um, not be too scared away by by some of these potentially high ownership stacks and, uh, you know, be, be willing to really uh, heavy up on some of the premier I don't want to say premier game environments because there's not really any one game environment that's like truly premier, but certainly, like you said, you know, in, in the context of the slate, like uh, some of these seemingly middling totals or middling game environments actually stand out as fairly strong relative to, to the alternatives. So um, that, that's kind of how our numbers are shaking out uh, as of now. Well, what I see from a perspective of player projection on an individual basis a lot of the better values, I don't consider this slate to be like a heavy value slate. Like there are some guys that project a little bit better for their price than others, but those players don't happen to be in the best game environments. Like we are seeing uh, stuff with the Chargers game with Keenan Allen out. We've got some, you know, cheaper running backs that are on low total teams. Uh, I get the sense and even quarterbacks, like we have a, Russian quarterbacks, cheaper Russian quarterbacks that don't play for the best of teams either, that I get the sense that the higher total teams, while they may be owned, may still not be higher owned enough with people focusing a little too much on median projection and not enough on ceiling. So like I've been running through some lineups and I get, I get a bunch of players from some of these low total games because Oh, they're a good value. You know, they're $700 underpriced. They're $400 underpriced. But you don't really get those values in some of these better game environments because there's no one that stands out from a median perspective to be like that great of a value. But from a ceiling perspective, I'd much rather take the better game environments. So I get the sense that if people that are focusing too much on median projections, that some of these lower total games may actually get over-owned and the higher total games may actually not be owned enough. Interesting. All right. Well, maybe as we kind of go through the games, we can kind of, you know, uh, bucket kind of the games or teams as, you know, being interesting or compelling from kind of a, you know, projects well, good value versus, you know, this is a spot that doesn't necessarily have like a great median or mean projection, but, you know, has kind of the ceiling that uh, maybe some of these other spots uh, do not. Well, let's start with the, the the game, the top tier game of the entire slate. That would be the Buffalo Bills at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's a 53 and a half total. The Bucs are favored by three and a half. 28.5 implied total for the Buccaneers, 25 for the Bills. Uh, we have uh, Fournette catching some on. Fournette and Diggs as the, the own players. 
Uh, we have Godwin and we have the, the Bucks receivers a little bit low. I mean, Godwin, I don't think is going to be 8.9% down. I think more in the 15 to 17% range. But I mean, these guys are now priced up. I mean, Fournette, 7,400, I think is perfectly fine. Diggs is one of the highest priced uh, receivers at 8,100. Godwin, 71. Evans is 66. Gronk is now 6K at tight end. Beasley ain't like cheap, cheap. He's 5,000. Dawson Knox is 5,000. I mean, like, like from, from a median perspective, this game stack is not like, is not bad, but not like screaming value, but it is the best game environment on the slate. I, we have Allen as higher owned than Brady. And you, if you're going to tell me that I'm going to be able to get Brady at under 10% ownership and still be able to pair him with two guys, one of them being under 10% owned, like, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I? Yeah, no, I mean, we, we, we love this spot. Um, I don't think it's going to be like, uh, well, I mean, I guess our, our model suggesting that it will be under owned, but I don't think it's going to be like sneaky in any way. I mean, I, I would expect that, um, you know, Tampa and Buffalo stacks are probably two of the, I don't know, four or five most stacked kind of teams, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think a great spot, like you said, lacking a bit in terms of, uh, median projection, but the, uh, ceiling of some of these guys and really just either side of this game, or I think, you know, as high as any, I mean, as evidenced by the game total. Um, yeah. Which, and, side, know, which, guess... side, which side would you prefer? Cause I, I think that I could rely more on the Tampa Bay passing volume than being able to predict the bills receiving touchdowns. Like it's, I think Fournette is going to gain enough ownership that we may see more people playing uh, like an Allen Diggs Fournette type of lineup more so than a Brady Brady Evans like Beasley type of lineup. Like to, to me, I think I I could rely on the Bucks passing volume with Antonio Brown not in like Godwin Gronk and Evans are like clearly. Like the three guys, and they all seem to get enough volume. Obviously, Evans a little bit less, but he's uh, he's more likely to get touchdowns. But on the the Buffalo side, I mean, they they could pass to like Gabe Davis. They got running backs. They got. I mean, it it to me, I think it's more. I'm more sure of Brady's side of the passing game, and then I can mix up the you know the run back. Some lineups have Diggs. Some lineups have Beasley. Some lineups have Knox. Some lineups have, you know, whoever, Emmanuel Sanders, maybe. Uh, then try to guess, like, Allen plus two. It feels like I can make so many more combinations of Allen plus two than I can of Brady plus two. Yeah, we have a slight edge to, um, well, I mean, slight in terms of rankings. We have Tampa Bay appearing in the top one, Tampa Bay stacks appearing in the top 1% of lineups second highest rate Buffalo third highest rate, but yeah, we've got Tampa Bay at 1.35%. So 35% over uh, kind of neutral, if you will. And then Buffalo at 16% over neutral. Uh, so I guess that is a fairly sizable gap in terms of kind of, uh, you know, uh, like numerative, I guess, uh, you know, uh, kind of ROI or frequency and kind of that top tier of lineups. Um, but yeah, both close. I mean, I think both both projecting strongly from a 
you know, ROI consideration of range of outcomes, correlation, uh, uh, you know, ownership. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm with you, you know, that, that all makes sense, right? Like Tampa Bay is a good bit tighter. Um, I think also just from like, uh, kind of past frequency, Tampa Bay, uh, outpaced. I mean, both of them are the two of the three most pass heavy teams in the league relative to kind of expectation. Um, but Tampa Bay is a pretty good bit ahead of the rest of the league. Um, and then kind of, there's this tier of like Kansas city, Buffalo, the LA teams, uh, that are solidly above, you know, passing at a, at a rate above expectation. But Tampa Bay, I mean, man, they're just like on another level right now with how they are, how pass heavy they're skewing. They're skewing. Um, so yeah, it may, makes sense, I think, to, to kind of prefer that side. Does figure that the ownership will be a little higher. Um, well, I would say, I mean, you know, maybe even significantly higher on, on the Tampa Bay side. Um but not prohibitively high. I don't. Yeah, I, no, the, no. The thing, no. Is, the thing with this game is that I think it's going to be one of the more owned games, but I still don't think it's going to be owned enough. Right. Yeah. No. No. I'm right there with you. I'm not saying either. I I don't really see any of like, I don't know of these of these kind of top tier games as being prohibitively high. I'm just saying like there is going to be I think more leverage to the Buffalo side, um, but not sure that that you know leverage is condensed in a way that you know you have much confidence about it um or or i guess you know more confidence than you do about the tampa bay side so yeah i'm with you i like the tampa bay side uh you know versus buffalo but uh yeah i mean i am happy happy going with the buffalo side as well um you and know, you're and you're uh, not concerned like to me at with buck with the buccaneers passing volume like i'm not concerned that 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 two six k plus receiving targets can't both get there. Like I'm not, I'm not concerned oh. about Godwin and Evans together, even though 7,100 and 6,600, it's fairly hefty for the entire stack, but, but the Buccaneers, they're throwing, I mean, if they're throwing 45 times, like yeah. I, I think they both could get there. Yeah. And like, it's also worth noting that they're, yeah. Tampa Bay's throwing at an insane clip and Buffalo is throwing at a, a pretty crazy clip as well. Like, I mean, I just think there's going to be a ton of plays run and, both these teams, uh, you know, you, I think you talked about last week how the Chargers are kind of dink and dunk long drives. Uh, both these teams are like swinging for the fences, uh, you know, more or less every player, at least, you know, once per kind of uh, set of downs. Uh, you know, this game just has potential unlike any other to just go massive. And uh, yeah, you, usually in some of these smaller total games like Seattle, um, you know, they feel like a receiver pair. Um, where, where, you know, you kind of aren't super excited about playing those two expensive receivers. But, I mean, yeah, you look at last week. I mean, Evans, Godwin, and Gronk all got there. Um, and Fournette had a great game, too. Like, you know, it's just there are going to be so many plays run, um, you know, so much potential for for kind of uh, big chunk plays and just high number of possessions, high you know, high, high plays, a lot of passes. Like, yeah, I mean, you just kind of mix and match. I, I think, you know, uh, Evans, Godwin, Gronk are kind of the – the key pieces and um you know if Fournette don't love you know I I, I like playing Fournette with with Brady because I think it's like one of the running back QB combos that are really uh palatable but uh the ownership that he is coming in at probably less of a you know consideration or priority this week like I thought last week you know Brady Fournette made a ton of sense because there's so much ownership on some of these cheaper guys but uh 
with Fournette, yeah, projecting to garner a good bit of ownership. Not so sure that um, that's going to be like a, a sneaky or kind of priority combo uh, of players. Okay, let's go to some other games. What's your first plus game of the week? And when we say pluses and minuses on the show, we mean over expectation in comparison to their ownership. So not necessarily the best stacks, but stack comparable to what uh, the market will play them at. So what's your first plus game? Yeah, so I mean, I think it's the game that's the, the side that's going to be the most popular and, uh, you know, has has great value. I think uh, our, our position, uh, I guess, is, or at least what the numbers are suggesting is that the, the ownership still isn't going to be high enough. And that's, you know, the, this charger side against uh, New York, um, you know, obviously great value with with the injuries um, or I guess what uh, COVID uh, COVID protocol for, for Keenan Allen. Um, Going to going to be popular, um, but but you know we like uh, we like you know being being uh, being being high on this game even even amidst the high ownership. Does does it matter whether or not Mike Williams plays? Because I mean he's on the COVID list technically, but as long as he has negative tests through Saturday, he could play. Does it make a difference to you that we have a six K Mike Williams or? Would you, I mean, then once you take out Williams, like this team becomes even cheaper. And while you have this as a plus, I have this as a minus. And not because I, I don't particularly like the Chargers side. I have two concerns. One, are the Giants going to be able to put up a fight where I don't even know who the hell they're going to be playing a quarterback? Jake Fromm, maybe? I mean, like, I have yeah. no idea what's happening here. And I'm also concerned that the Chargers provide the best value on the slate. So I think Mike Williams, if he plays, one of the highest wide receivers. Eckler, one of the highest running backs. We may get Jalen Guyton as the cheap punt wide receiver. Uh, Jared Cook probably still gets a little bit of ownership at tight end. I just feel that with the me- their medians, like this is, this is the example of a team that has a high median but is the ceiling versus some of these other games on the slate worth the ownership? Because I think if, you, if you're jamming in median projections, Herbert stacks are going to come up. It's going to be Herbert stacks with Saquon Barkley as the run back. And I just think that combination, while I think it projects well, I think is going to be over-owned. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, that, that, that's fair. Like, a, like I said, you know, do expect it to be. Um, so, so, Yes, of course, like whether or not Mike Williams plays is going to have an impact. Um, I have not run like the simulations for both uh, both scenarios. All I can say is that we have run them under the assumption that Mike Williams will play. And um, our numbers have been kicking out preference for combinations of like Herbert Eckler and one of the cheap receivers. Um yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, haven't haven't run the simulations on kind of the alternate uh, scenario of Williams not playing. Like, of course, that will have an impact um, both in terms of projection for the the players around Mike Williams and in terms of the ownership that those guys will will generate. So, um, you know, I don't know, hard 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 to like have, um, I guess, a, a, a quantifiable answer at, at this stage where we don't have kind of a. A, a clear answer on Williams, but um, yeah, obviously whether or not Williams plays could shake up uh, how, how 
we view this game uh, in, in a huge way, you know, naturally. Okay, so I got a plus for you. It projects poorly from a median perspective, but I think the ceiling is there. Dallas at Washington. Okay, Gibson is going to be one, assuming McKissick is out again, Gibson is going to be one of the highest owned running backs at 6K. But like, I, all these other guys in this game are low owned. I mean, like, I don't think people are, I mean, with the value quarterbacks that we have, like Newton and Hill, then we got Brady and Allen towards the top. Like, who's playing Dak? So, like, Dak plus Cooper plus Lamb, you know, like something plus Gibson. Like, you could still play Gibson. The, the weird thing is, is you could still play Gibson in these lineups with high ownership because, like, how much is Lamb going to be owned at 7,200? Godwin will get more ownership at 7,100. Amari Cooper is 5,900. Like, you got a lot of options here. And, you know, there, obviously there's, there's more f- possible failure here. But even if you want to go super leverage and instead of playing Gibson as the runback, play McLaurin. But this game has a healthy total. And other than Gibson, I don't see much ownership here. Yeah, um, no, I'm right there with you. Uh, our, our numbers prefer the Washington side um, going the route of like Heineke plus McLaurin plus, um, you know, with Logan Thomas out like, uh, you know, RSJ. Um, but yeah, no, it makes make, makes sense. Like, uh, you know, solid, relatively strong total. Not going to get hardly any ownership aside from Gibson. Um yeah, I'm right there with you. We we have Washington as kind of the uh, the top one or two teams that are kind of outside this premier. And I'm not saying premier is in terms of like value or you know kind of our perceived like value relative to ownership, but um, you know, it's one of the top teams that's not going to be in kind of this uh, high bucket or a bucket of like high ownership stacks. Um, right there with you. Not not quite as strong on, on Dallas. Um, but uh, yeah, see, uh, like, obviously, you know, there have been points this year where, where Dallas's offense has been super explosive. So, you know, see paths to, uh, to that, that stack working out. And um, again, you know, a lot of it's going to be conditional on uh, probably not so much as like LAC conditional on Williams, but, you know, whether or not McKissich plays, uh, I think is relevant because, you know, it figures to, if he does suck away targets from some of these receivers that we're talking about, um, and if he does, we'll probably lessen the ownership on Antonio Gibson, which, you know, I think could chip into the allure of the Washington side. Okay. Do you have any other pluses? Yeah. So um, we've got a plus on just a defense that, you know, we really want to attack. Um, we've got a plus on the Broncos uh, side. Do worry that that spread is just really, really high. And there is, you know, a pretty decent chance that, uh, you know, Denver just gets up big and kind of goes into like this running shell. Um, they're, they're more or less neutral in how they kind of uh, manage pass versus run relative to expectation. Um, but yeah, I mean, Javante Williams gonna going to so, uh, sop up a good bit of ownership. Uh, do wonder if going like uh, with a Teddy Bridgewater stack uh, could be an opportunity to get leverage uh, against Williams. Um does kind of feel like if you are going to stack Denver, you have to bring back uh, someone on the Detroit side. It's not like Detroit's, uh, you know, just w- without Swift, like there's kind of a, a shortage of guys to be super uh, 
excited about bringing back, but I just do worry, like if Detroit doesn't show up, just Denver's not going to get pushed uh, really in any sort of way that's useful for a stack. Um, so I kind of have this pegged as like just the high leverage or one of the high leverage, sorry, not high leverage, a high variance uh, spots on the slate. Right. I think, I think Javante Williams goes over on with Gordon practicing. Like I'm not a big fan. I mean, maybe this ownership comes down. I think Judy is going to get some ownership. The reason I don't like the Broncos is because they got a lot, they got a lot of guys. Yeah. Like right. just to play, to play, you know, the stack of this, they got Fant there, they got Sutton, they got Patrick, Judy. I'm not a big fan. The Lions could keep up no matter what. Like, and then who do you play on the, the Lions? You have Jamal Williams, Josh Reynolds, St. Brown. It feels like this is the spot to go for like cheap one-offs, but I'm I'm not I'm not enthused about I would I would be more enthused if this game was in Detroit in the dome than yeah. in Denver. Uh, but, but no, I can see from a lever, if Javante Williams is super owned, which I, with Gordon playing, I don't think he's going to be like absurdly owned. I can see the leverage implications here, but I don't consider this game a minus, but I don't, I, this is not a game that I'm targeting. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, makes sense. Uh, plus for me, I don't know why. They wouldn't be a plus. Uh, give me the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 sometimes they're a little Jekyll and Hyde, right? The Chiefs are. I mean, if we told if you told you this last year that on a, on an eleven game slate with with uh, seven games that have a forty three or less total, and Patrick Mahomes is going to be five percent owned, and the Kansas City Chiefs has a twenty eight point seven five implied team total. I know it's expensive, but why can't I, even if I just single stack or I play Pringle or something like that, do a Mahomes plus one of Hill or Kelsey plus Pringle. And I can run it back with Josh Jacobs, who's a fine value. He's going to be one of the most highest on running backs on the slate because with everyone out and he's now catching balls out of the backfield, I'm not scared of the Chiefs defense. Uh, what, why should the Chiefs be this low owned? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, if we're going down our teams kind of with their uh, frequency within the top 1%, we got this kind of clump up top with like uh, Chargers, Bucks, Bills, and then you know, Denver and Washington beneath them. And then, uh, yeah, Kansas City, like perfectly in the mix as kind of a uh, premier team, premier stack that is going to get a good bit of ownership, but you know, is looking as of now, like it's, you know, probably worth uh, taking on, you know, uh, being overweight, I guess that, that kind of ownership that you're projecting for them. So yeah, I like them a lot. Uh, Las Vegas, I think is rich and kind of bring back options. You know, you mentioned Jacobs. Um, I think Hunter Renfro is, you know, perennially kind of like a, a solid uh, value play uh, maybe lacks like a true ceiling that you might be looking for with uh you know large field tournaments but i think makes for a really strong uh small to medium field tournament play um yeah and then of course yeah J josh jacobs you know uh yeah significantly higher uh pass catching role now that uh las vegas is thin on receivers uh think he works fine with uh you know kansas city team stack you know bring back jacobs uh, just getting the value there and i think He's he's in a different role than he has kind of been labeled to be in in the past where, you know, he's this like 
ground and pound, you know, uh, run out the slow down the game, kind of establish the run type guy, you know, at least in this small sample we've seen without Waller and uh, rugs. Yeah. Looking like, uh, you know, kind of a different piece. So uh, I think that's a fine bring back option. Right. The main concern with playing Kansas city stacks is finding the value to fit around them. I mean, like if you played Mahomes, Kelsey and Hill, like, I don't know what you're playing on the rest of your lineup. Like that to me, that's the main issue with the chief stack. But I thought, but I think that's the reason why they're more likely to be under owned because like, how do you fit these guys in? And they're, they're, they're not the highest team. I mean, like the fact that we have Tampa Bay and Buffalo on the slate, like, like, why do I have to pay this price when I could play cheaper? I could play, I could pay cheaper for stacks of similar, uh, similar, similar uh, team totals. And they're, they're, they're cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it, it, it's somewhat of a tough slate to, to, find ways to fit the chiefs because there isn't a ton of uh cheap value that that's compelling or at least appears to be you know high confidence um but yeah i mean naturally there's 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 you know may, maybe maybe you know if you want to be under on charger stacks you know you could just take like uh the value offered to one of those receivers um it's just like a one-off kind of salary relief so that you can get you know different with like a chief stack and uh I don't, like it's not gonna be like super super different, but um, yeah, certainly certainly lower lower than like a Charger stack or uh, you know Tampa or Buffalo. Well, okay, not certainly about, lower than those. But how about your your minuses? So what's a game that that is is going over on for its expectation? Yeah, so I think one of the uh, I, you know, I, I, it's hard it's hard for me to project how much people are gonna try to stack them, but I do I do think you know Cam Newton is gonna be a fairly popular play and. I would guess people are just going to see that, you know, I think Cam's like a fine cash game QB, but would be pretty hesitant to try to stack him up as a tournament play with, you know, I guess what you go like DJ Moore, maybe, you know, trying to go with kind of one of the, one of the, the Carolina running backs. I, I think fine with Cam as a cash game play, but I think he's probably going to go and, and just Carolina stacks are going to go a bit over owned for a tournament. So that, that's probably a spot I'd prefer to be under. Right. I, I, I have the Carolina side as a minus also that, uh, you know, and also I'm not, I'm, I'm never a big fan of the, the Falcons as like, like these, this is the game that I stacked a million different ways, like four or five weeks ago that died. Uh, I just don't, don't see a compelling reason to do so, especially, I, I mean, I, I just don't play Cordell Patterson and when he kills me, he just kills me. I'm just like, that's just the way it goes. Uh, my minus is very similar to that minus, and that's the Saints-Jets game. I think Taysom Hill is going to be very similar to Cam Newton, fine as a cash play. Uh, I think Elijah Moore on the other side is decent, a decent GPP play, but like, do you, do you want to play the Jets? I mean, this game has a, a 42 and a half total. Do you want to play a Jets game? Do you want to play a quarterback that like may not even have the grip to throw the ball anymore? I mean, he has, I don't even know what mallet finger is, but <laughs> I mean, I can see a lot of rushing in this game. I could say, I mean, like, that's why it's like Taysom Hill. Like I have no issue with in a vacuum. I also don't have any issue if you're going to go like Taysom Hill, Traquan Smith, like something like that to get a little bit different. 
But like to just stack this game, it just it's the Jets and the Saints. Like how many to me, I view this game as like how many plays are going to be run in this game. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've got a minus on a similar game with just just overall pace kind of play count. Um, boy, it, it's I, I get excited when we finally have a week where like uh, Cleveland and their opponent are just like very poorly rated. Um, I don't think Cleveland's going to get that much ownership, but could see uh, could see Baltimore getting owned a good bit. Uh, that, that would be a spot I think I'd like to be under. Um, oh, you're in agreement is, with the Saints and the Jets. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I think rushing quarterbacks, well, I don't know. Because, like, I don't know. I, I like Jalen Hurts in the right spots. Lamar Jackson, I frequently like in, in good spots. But, um yeah, it's just the, these offenses that they're on, like, uh, you know, neither the Saints nor the, the Panthers are looking like a very dynamic uh, offense such that, right, I mean, like, I guess the, the thesis behind the rushing quarterbacks, especially like, you know, Newton and Taysom Hill, I don't think, I mean, I guess we did see Taysom Hill get to 100 yards, but like, I don't think of them as high, having much like rushing bonus equity the same way that Hertz or Jackson ha- have, uh, you know, that rushing bonus equity. So you're kind of just like, hoping for them to get, uh, you know, multiple rushing touchdowns uh, and kind of pairing it with like a passing touchdown or two. And I just don't know that these offenses are dynamic enough to really set those quarterbacks up for many rushing touchdown opportunities. Um, Well, that's that's reflected in the team total. I mean, but I see a lot of games, like we're describing Carolina, we're describing the saints. I see, I mean, to me, most of the games on the slate are like that. I take a look at Seattle, Houston yeah. and I go well Houston sucks and then like Seattle isn't playing well but hey you never know with Russ Wilson but like the Seahawks run the lowest amount of plays the tech the Texans are now starting Davis Mills again like what is the outlook of this game as a whole in comparison maybe you throw some one-off secondary correlations but like it, you would think like oh why don't I play Wilson Metcalf Lockett Cooks like it makes sense. Or you play Everett in the tight end position instead of Metcalf or Lockett. And like, dude, if you've been doing that for the past two years, you've just been siphoning money out of your bankroll because Pete Carroll just wants to like, like have 38 plays the game. I mean, like, like I just, it, it's hard for me to see barring like completely broken plays or Davis Mills throwing like four interceptions that set short fields up. Like, like what is what is what is the the ceiling of the Seahawks when then when I mean the play volume of this game comparison to let's say Tampa Bay Buffalo is like is like the difference of like twenty five plays and that like you can't score fantasy points without plays right so it's like yeah. what like what's what I mean I'm assuming you're you're on the same page as me that yeah, Seattle no. Houston is one of those games where it's like yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, on the same page with you, you got Seattle is kind of a, they're going to, they're going to get, you know, a decent bit of ownership. Um, But yeah, I don't know, just the way, like, I know it's fun to talk about, like, the kind of, uh, you know, moonshot, like, low-owned vomit stacks and stuff. And it's even, like, I even enjoy talking about kind of the middling stacks that are going to get under-owned, but the way it's setting up, at least the the way it's coming out in in our numbers, it's looking like there's going to be a lot of people that kind of spread out 
uh, not a lot, but you know, cumul not not a lot on any one specific team. But I think there's just going to be a handful of uh, lineups that get spread out across some of these low to middling games. And um, don't get me wrong, like sometimes there are middling games that that look compelling. Uh, but but as it's shaking out now, we're we're quite high on some of the clearly, you know strong uh stacks and you know i think ownership is going to go that way but um you know i don't know uh, i think obviously there there are times to uh take low ownership routes uh you know i think the the, the kind of research suggests like why that's the case but um you know i don't want to take uh you know try vomit stacks and kind of stack teams just for the sake of stacking a team that was low owned you know i think if the uh if kind of these middling low owned teams are not looking, you know, interesting or not looking like, you know, they're in potentially good game environments or kind of the values not showing through for those players. Or there's no, you know, uh, projectable ceiling to be had. Like, you know, some, sometimes kind of just got to go with these uh, popular games that, that do have uh, a true ceiling. Because I think another game that fits that bill is like Jacksonville, Tennessee. It's like, I go yuck on that. The more interesting game, I mean, we, we've, covered, we've covered, I mean, pretty much all the games. I mean, we've mentioned all of them to some extent. This 49ers-Bengals game, okay, I view this as a high-variance game. I view this traditionally, these two teams would rather play slow and run the ball, right? Traditionally, right? So I expect to see a lot of Mixon, a lot of Mitchell, you know, that type of thing. But these two teams also have very dynamic players in the receiving game with Chase and Higgins, Samuel and Kittle, that these are big play guys, and, you know, the, the this total isn't low. I mean, this is like, what, the second highest total on the slate, 48 and a half, which isn't saying, isn't saying much. But I don't, I don't see, I mean, I think Mitchell may get owned. If I'm assuming that he plays, he's questionable. Uh, but, like, who says Debo can't break the slate at 8,000? I mean, I know he's coming off of a week off with injury. Who says Jamar's? Chase can't break this late at 6,900. Like, why can't I stack up Burrow or Jimmy G and hope this turns into a shootout? Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've got fairly good scores, particularly on the Cincinnati side. Um, kind of like uh, T, T. Higgins uh, a good bit. You know, he's usually a like, perennially high-owned player. Uh, had the big week last week, and his price has kind of jumped up accordingly. Uh, I do wonder if that's going to scare some people off and uh yeah so you know could be he, he's a weird guy where he has like burned people uh, a lot this year at project you know strong projectable value kind of high ownership and then uh you know it's kind of the the sentiment was starting to shift towards like you know not t higgins again kind of thing uh you know just puts up a massive game price jumps accordingly and i, I do wonder if that kind of uh fear you know just the 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 memory of being burned by t higgins is going to kind of drag with him up to this price point and you know we're not projecting a ton of ownership for him um really any of these cincinnati pass catchers um yeah i think an intriguing spot to go yeah definitely from a mean projection standpoint uh not super strong just because of the pace and kind of style that both these teams play at but um yeah i mean so what like i guess you know, the, the, the way that this game speeds up is just if both teams are yeah, scoring at an elevated pace, right? Like, um, 
Yeah, and they just kind of, yeah. Which could right. happen. It's like you, you don't happen. take the running backs and you you play Burrow, Burrow, Higgins, Chase, Samuel, or, or Kittle, or something like that. I mean, it's expensive, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I don't consider this game to be plus or minus. I just it's 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 yeah. sitting there, and it's the second highest total, and. I don't think people are, I mean, it's going to be owned, but not much. I mean, it's, this is one of those slates overall that the better spots because of price and projection, I don't think are going to be as high owned as they should be for their ceiling. But like, as far as like, it's quite possible in your DK cash lineup that you have no one from the bills bucks game. Like it, like, and that would be perfectly fine. Like you're playing, Cam and Taysom and you're playing Chargers and you're playing Jacobs and you're playing Barkley or something. I mean, like you're playing Jamal Williams and from a median perspective, that may be the best lineup, but from a, like, do I win a GPP with this lineup? No. And I think most of the time it's not like, Oh, let me take out two players. It's like, no, let me take out all of them. Right. Let me, let me, let me, let me play guys that don't project well, median wise, but like a Dallas stack plus Washington. And then, you find a cheap value somewhere and, and you may have, you, your lineup may, may have a lot of guys that are under 10% owned and that may actually be a better lineup than the higher owned players on this. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I think like last week we, we kind of had, I mean, with the, the Michelle thing, like I, I, like I just locked Michelle into all my lineups and I think there have been weeks in the past where there's been kind of one or two high ownership guys that, just like they were kind of just unfadeable. It doesn't really seem like there are any, as it stands right now, like unfadeable uh, values this week. Um, it does feel like one of those weeks where, you know, uh, you, you could win with a lineup of all guys below 15% as we're like the way it was last week with so much value at running back. You know, you, you kind of, at least I, I felt, um, and I think we kind of came to the consensus on the show, like, yeah, you just got to mix and match with those high value guys understand that you're going to be rostering, you know, uh, you know, uh, at least one and probably a couple or even a few running backs who are going to be at this 20% mark. And, you know, just the value is too clear to pass up. And I don't know that this week as, as it stands right now, there doesn't appear to be any like can't miss value, you know, guys, you feel like you have to lock in. Um, so yeah, certainly a, a, a fine week to kind of get weird, take some shots. Um, but yeah, not not take not take shots just for the sake of taking shots, but you know, find find your spots that make sense to take shots, and um, yeah, go there. And people can find all of the, all of the stats, all of the the optimal percentages, and everything at Advanced Sports Analytics in your Substack, right? That should be going out uh, later later today. Yeah, we'll probably send it out um, tomorrow, just because I have some stuff to tend to before um, I sign off for the day. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll put that out tomorrow with you know, incorporating all the injury news that comes in uh, at the end of the day today. It seems like uh, a lot of the injury news kind of has a West Coast lean uh, this week. So, um, you know, give it some more time to come in. Um, yeah, we'll have that out tomorrow with the, you know, this table that I'm kind of referencing uh, at times that'll that'll be in there with just some thoughts like obviously the, the I, I tend to take kind of a quantitative approach and like I understand how the system works and try to, you know, I kind of get a sense of why the numbers show or why the numbers could be showing up the way that they do, but I think it's always healthy to, uh, yeah, talk through the numbers that we're seeing, hypothesize why, why it is that they're turning out the way they are and, you know, try to 
uh, find spots where, you know, the numbers might just not be indicating what, you know, we, we, you know, where the numbers could be, could be lying a little bit to us. Um, so yeah, we do all of that in the, the weekly sub stack. Um, yeah, we'll be posting that on our Twitter account. So I think that's a perfectly fine place to, to look and, uh, yeah, stay abreast of the drop of that. And follow on Twitter at AS analytics DFS or start Gibson for Stewart. You can find me on Twitter at Blender HD. As always with the YouTube stuff, click that thumbs up button, give a like, give a subscribe, get, hit the notification bell, hit whatever you want on YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast version on the uh, Roto Grinders Fantasy Football feed, feel free, go ahead, rate and review on iTunes. Uh, but uh, but we'll, we'll see you next week uh, on another edition of the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on rotogrinders.com. Thank you.